Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Super Sleuths Book 7 Super Sleuths in the Sugar Islands by E.M. Clark Read by Lexi Chapter 8 The Treasure of the Infanta Christina The sleuths lugged their heavy treasure chest up the Spanish steps, Anna and Demaria keeping a lookout from the sky and Zappa and Rafa from the ground. The passageway's coming up, whispered Lara. Keep moving. I'm worried about the pirates, whispered Sophie, glancing around fearfully. What will they do? The usual. They form a gang and take things by force. But don't worry, you're safe, said Duke reassuringly. We've learnt our way around here, and we're positive that no one knows about this passage. Sophie nodded, feeling slightly better. Zappa gave her an encouraging nuzzle with his cold, wet nose, and she felt much braver. It appeared to the sleuths that Lara and Marmaduke had led them to a dead end. However, the broad rock facing them actually had a space behind it, which you could only see if you walked right up to the wall. There, you could slip behind the rock and a dank passage stretched before them. It took some manoeuvring to get the treasure chest through the gap, but they managed it in the end and set off along the tunnel. How many passageways are there? asked Zelie in awe as they walked along the hidden way, stone walls rearing up all around them, the smell of sea salt lingering in the damp air. Many indeed, replied Marmaduke. Most houses are connected by these secret smugglers' paths. We met an old sailor once who gave us his map, but there are sure to be others even we don't know about. It's much easier with the portable illuminators, grinned Lara. Candles tend to blow out. I'm glad we aren't doing this in the dark carrying this thing, agreed Nika, gesturing with her chin at the chest. The passage was so narrow, they had to be careful not to bump the chest and scrape it along the walls. The tunnel was made of stone, and the floor had rough cobblestones. They had to bend as the roof was low, and it was hard work as the passage sloped upward going away from the sea. Zappa was leading the way, and suddenly he stopped and gave a low growl. "'What's the matter?' whispered Milo. "'He smells something,' said Lara. "'Wait here!' Lara crept forward with her hand lightly on Zappa's collar. Ahead was a place where the secret passage they were using joined another one. "'It's the one that goes down to the harbour on the other side,' breathed Lara. Zappa's hackles had risen, and he looked alert, his ears pricked. Lara turned back to the others and put her finger to her lips. The sleuths were silent, and then the sound of rough voices came through the stillness. Pesky brats! Oh, we'll get em. I'll wring their scrawny necks, I will. And if they've got that treasure, we'll smash em to smithereens. The sleuths went cold. It's Humberto and Umberto, gasped Zelie. How did they know we escaped? asked Zav. I have no idea, but we wait until they leave before we go on, whispered Lara decisively. They're probably going down to the dock to prepare an ambush, said Duke thoughtfully. 
It's a good job we didn't wait with Captain Van Horn. In a few minutes, the sound of the pirates muttering and scrabbling through their passage had died away. It was safe to continue. Zappa led the way and they passed the crossroads where the two tunnels intersected. The sleuths could see that their passage was hidden by a spur of rock. Thank goodness for Zappa, said Milo, giving the dog a pat. If we'd have carried on, they might have heard us and the game would have been up. Yes, agreed the others. A special treat for Zappa when we get back, declared Sam, and the dog wagged his tail delightedly. There were no further problems, and a little later they came out of the tunnel, arriving into the garden of Government House under a large stone pillar. You would never know the entrance is here, said Zav in amazement. We stood here just the other night and never even realised. They quietly moved across the lawn to the south entrance, where a guard was standing to attention in full livery. Lara and Marmaduke Maryville here for Governor Jacoby Jones, said Marmaduke as they moved towards him. The guard looked at them curiously, but admitted them. The Maryville's name was instantly recognisable in these parts, and they were regular visitors to the governor. Governor Jones was of course delighted to see them, even more so when he saw what they were carrying. Well done, he cried, his eyes gleaming as they set the chest down before him. The sleuths were excited. They could finally open the chest. The ancient padlock on the outside was so rusted and corroded by the seawater that it came away fairly easily. Nika opened the lip, which moved stiffly with a creaking groan. It's been very well prepared to keep out the water, said Sam, peering eagerly inside. It's all wrapped in oilskins and sealed with wax. Look, there's a letter, cried sharp-eyed Milo. Nika picked it up very gently. It's not in English, she observed. Can you read it, Lara? Lara squinted as the writing was small and spidery and the parchment old and brittle. It's in old Spanish again, she said. It says there is more treasure elsewhere, jewellery and other wedding gifts from the writer of this letter to his daughter, the Infanta Christina. Wow, breathed Sophie, a dowry. A what? asked Zav. A dowry, jewels and clothes a rich lady would take with her to her husband when she got married. Very old fashioned. Even more treasure elsewhere, exclaimed Sam. Let's see what's here first. They carefully removed the tightly bound packages from the chest, easing them out gently. Each of the packages was wrapped in oilskin and sealed with wax to prevent water damage. Zav unwrapped a golden cup, and then Sophie one similar. What are these? Jacoby Jones had an eyeglass out and was examining each treasure with great care. I believe these are from churches long ago, he said. They're worth a lot of money. Churches? repeated Zelly. People in the old days must really have valued their religion. Yeah, they did, and it's what destroyed them, said the governor sadly. What do you mean? asked Milo. It was religion that caused the wars that destroyed the north. Zav and Zelly looked at each other. At last they were getting somewhere with finding out the mystery of the past. Let's pick up the rest of the treasure, said Lara, who had been studying the letter. Marmaduke, do you know where this is? She showed her brother a rough map. Yeah, sure, he said, looking carefully at the parchment. It's another hidden central core of a house. I'll go and get it. 
Anna and I will go with you, said Zadie. We know there are pirates about. I'll obscure us both. Fairy fee, fairy fee, grant us invisibility. Immediately, Zadie and Marmaduke disappeared. Because they could no longer be seen, they made their way to the house using the streets, which was quicker. They climbed inside the house using a window which was slightly ajar and switched on the portable illuminators. Duke led the way to the core, which went down the middle of the whole house. These spaces are huge, said Zelly, looking at the empty middle of the house. We have to go higher up into the house, said Marmaduke. The hiding place is in the chimney. What's a chimney? asked Zelly curiously. They didn't have them in Sandopolis. In the winter it can be cold, so we light fires in the chimney. It's a vertical tunnel which carries the smoke from the fire up through it and out at the top. We need to get to the first floor. They crawled out from the empty centre into a large room. At the end was a large stone fireplace. Oh, I've never seen one of these before, said Zelly, a child of a hot land. We need to go to the left-hand side of it, said Duke. Feel for some steps. They were built with steps so they could be cleaned. I found them, cried Zelly with excitement. Duke grinned. Let's climb up. Can you shine the portable illuminator for me, Zelly? She did, and Marmaduke slowly edged his way up, feeling carefully. There's a space further back. It's a good job I've got long arms. Oh, I think someone's coming, whispered Zelly urgently. Oh, but I must find it, replied Duke in alarm. It's our only chance. As he scrabbled around inside the back of the fireplace, his fingers finally closed onto a leather handle and he pulled out a large leather case. That's it, breathed Zelly. But quick, I'm sure I heard something. Let's get back, said Duke. They moved back to the hidden core and each gave a sigh of relief as they closed the entrance behind them. I can't obscure the case as well as us, so we must go back by the secret way, said Zelly. They crept to the entrance. If anyone gets too close, I'll hide the case, and then at least they'll not be able to see us. As they crept along the passage, their mouths were dry. Something didn't feel right. Stop. I can hear something, hissed Marmaduke. Wait in here, said Zelly, pointing to a place where the wall hollowed out. They could hear footsteps. They were coming nearer. Vinicius said those pesky kids of the treasure up at Government House, a rough voice complained. Yeah, but we know there's more and we're gonna find it, came the sly reply. They've escaped me before, but not this time. I'm wise to their little games. Umberto and Humberto, thought Zelly. Oh, it's a good job Sophie's not here. She and Marmaduke knew they must remain totally still. Humberto stretched out his massive arms, grinning maliciously. I'm going to feel every step of the way, and then if they're trying not to be seen, they can't escape. Nice, agreed Humberto, his greedy eyes glinting. Zelly and Marmaduke exchanged horrified glances. Being invisible didn't mean they were untouchable. Humberto's meaty arms were sure to brush against them and then the game would be up. They were trapped. Anna, go and distract them, whispered Zelly. Anna flew straight towards them, but Humberto and Umberto were not afraid of the parrot. They might be pirates, but they were certainly not cowards. 
Humberto's huge arms dealt Anna a stunning blow and she fell to the ground. Anna, gulped Zelie in despair. Ha ha, cried Humberto triumphantly. Got ya. And where that parrot goes, those pesky brats go. We've nearly got him. <laughs> Cackled Umberto. Those little rats can't escape us now. Sally and Duke looked at each other in panic, their eyes wide with fear. There's no doubt that the pirate's prediction would have come true if something wonderful had not happened one second later. They suddenly heard paws racing along the passage and a savage bark ripped through the air. Zappa! cried Zelly and Duke joyfully. Go get em, Zap! yelled Marmaduke. And Zappa flew at the pirates, his normally friendly and gentle face transformed to savagery as he rushed to protect the children. Ah! was all that could be heard from Humberto and Umberto. The mere sight of Zappa snarling, barking and lunging at them was enough to make them turn tail and sprint down the passage. They didn't look back. As soon as he had seen them off, Zappa went and picked up poor Anna gently in his jaws and brought her back to Zelly. Anna, the girl cried, cradling the bird in her arms, a sob welling up in her chest. We must get back. What's happened? asked Zav as soon as they appeared. Everyone ignored the leather case Duke was carrying. Their thoughts were only for the parrot lying weakly in Zelly's arms. Humberto hit Anna, she gulped, her eyes swimming with tears. Is she dead? asked Sophie in horror. No, she's not dead, said Milo calmly, examining the little bird. Her heart's still beating, but she's had a shock. The governor's cook has healing talents, said Lara. Let's go to her quickly. The children rushed back through the passage and straight to the governor's kitchen. The cook was indeed a healer and had come from the north. Oh, a parrot of flambeau, I see, she said gently as she examined the bird. Yes, how did you know? asked Sally, curiosity for a moment overtaking her worry for Anna. It's the world I come from, replied the cook simply. She had a store of herbs which she crushed up in her pestle and mortar, adding some drops of violet liquid from a tiny bottle she kept on a chain around her neck. She began to treat Anna, feeding her tiny bits of the paste and massaging some into her wings and body. After some time, she said, She'll need to rest here by the fire, but she will recover. Leave her with me to keep her warm. It'll be okay, said Zav, giving his twin a hug. Anna has nine lives, like a cat. Zelly tried to smile. Thank you, she said to the cook, and she gently kissed Anna's forehead. The little parrot gave a feeble tweet, then closed her eyes and fell into a peaceful sleep. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for Chapter 9, Government House. Help spread the word about the super sleuths and their adventures by telling your friends and leaving us a review. See you next time.